Albert Einstein, uh, towards the end of his life, um, took two pictures that he had hanging um, that had been there for a long time. He took them down and he replaced them. He took down two pictures of some famous scientists and he put up two pictures of people who are famous for their service. He put up a picture of Gandhi and, um, and he put up a picture of Albert Schweitzer, the, the famous missionary uh, physician. And um, he said in doing that, that it was time to replace the image of success with an image of service. For Schweitzer's part, he said this, uh, speaking once, he said, the one thing I know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who will have sought and found how to serve. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about service and I want to talk about it in a couple different contexts. I think in the last year I've given like three sermons on this topic because the way it's fought, the way things have, have just come about. But today I want to go at it kind of at, at two different angles and we're going to look at it as part of this sermon series that we're doing. And as we get going, I want to pause for a moment with where we are in this sermon series. I'm not the architect of this sermon series. Others are, I'm just playing along. But this series is really long. Like it's going from August like to the end of October maybe into November or something. But today we're ending phase one of this sermon series. And I thought it'd be a good idea to pause for a minute and talk about what we've done so far. So where we've been with this sermon series, if you haven't joined us for the whole thing, and all these sermons, of course, are available online. But we've been talking about how God has gifted us and how those gifts relate to the purposes of the church, how those, uh, those things mix and go. And we talked about how there are a number of ways that people look at what the New Testament says about the purposes of the church. But one of the famous expressions of that from the last little bit was um, a pastor who went through and just read the New Testament a bunch of times saying, what's the church about? And came up with five different things that the church is about. And those five things we've talked about, but they're um, worship and fellowship and discipleship and evangelism and service. Those are the five things. And we're taking the gifts and figuring out how those fit. And we started out the series by talking about how every single person has a gift. When you are baptized, as you come into being a Christ follower, you have at least one gift. And it's given for the upbuilding of the community and for God's kingdom work. And then we talked about, particularly about these as they relate to discipleship. And then the next week I talked about how God calls us to be a people who love our neighbors and there's two different directions that goes. That goes sort of inward into our community of faith. We talked about that, that as pastoral care. And then today we're actually talking about how it goes out beyond our walls. And that's going to be sort of service and outreach beyond our walls. It's also here, but it's beyond our walls. We had a little Labor Day reprieve with just a lectionary sermon by Mary. And then last week we were talking about um, worship and liturgy, at least towards the end of that end of what we had last week. So uh, that's where we've been. Today, I'm going to talk about service, and then we're going to take a little breather. And then as we head into October, we'll pick it up again. And I'll t tell you more about that as we get to that place. Today, as we talk about service, though, I, I want to start by uh, saying this, that this is one. there are a couple of different areas where we talk about um, receiving some kind of gift, but, it, but it's also something all of us are called to. And I want to give you an example before I talk about service. But we, like, for example, when we talk about evangelism, every one of us, I know Episcopalians hate talking about evangelism, but all of us are called to evangelism. 
Scripture talks about how you should be ready to give an account for the hope that's within you. And we talk about in our baptismal vows that you take and reaffirm at confirmation and all this, that will you by word and example proclaim the good news of Christ through basically through words and actions. Like we're all, everybody's called to share this good news. But there's beyond that, there is actually a gift of those who are evangelists. So everybody's got this call, but then there are those who are gifted with this way. And if you've ever been around somebody who has the gift of evangelism, you kind of know it pretty fast. I worked for a year with Nikki Gumbel, absolutely had the gift. And, and it's funny because I won't go into it, but he, he tells in his testimony how much he hated the whole idea of evangelism. And he remembers the moment where he felt like the Holy Spirit was giving him that gift. And somebody said, oh, that guy's getting the gift of evangelism. But he went on to like, he can speak in ways and connect with people in ways that are just, there's a supernatural thing going on there. And I think too about, uh, you know, once um, many years ago, I heard Billy Graham speak at one of his um, gatherings here in Dallas. And it was, I think it was at the time I was in seminary. And it was one of those deals where you're learning how to do sermons and, die, you know, how to break them down and do different things. And the sermon he gave was not like impressive from a, from a, somebody who's working on that craft, but its effect was just enormous. Like there's no, like you could just feel how the guy was anointed for evangelism. Like it wasn't even necessarily what he said. It was just how God used it. I think that's part of the gift of evangelism. All of us are called to it. Some people are, are gifted with this gift of evangelism. And when we start talking about service, I think it's the exact same thing. All of us are called to service. Some people are gifted with service. And I want to kind of break that down. When we talk about all of us being called, I mean, we know this. Like Jesus talks about this again and again, how we're called to service. And you think about not only his teaching, but then he gets to the final part of his life, the Last Supper and all that. That night, he's all about telling them explicitly, you're called to serve he gets down on his, on his hands and knees and washes their feet. He's doing the act of a servant, a slave at the time. And he's saying, you know, like, he doesn't want anybody to be dumb-witted on this thing. He's like, okay, I'm doing this. He tells them explicitly, I'm doing this to set an example for you of not only humility, but of service. And then we, t we think about our baptismal vows again, how we all take a vow about how we're going to work for our justice and for welfare and all the different things that we're going to do in the world. It's part of what it means just to be a Christian. And, uh, but we'll talk about the gift too in a moment. And I think there are so many benefits that we might ponder and think about for this. It, like it is a, it's a gift and a blessing that we all have this same call to serve. I think about the way it blesses the world, first of all, because really it gives a voice to Christians that we wouldn't have otherwise. You know, there are a number of, in the, when we do a baptism service, there are a number of different passages that somebody may say when the candle is being handed over to the godparents usually um, when we're doing an infant baptism. But the one I always love is Matthew 5.16 where we say, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. May they see in you the good you do and see somehow it's connected to God and give glory to God. That's what that prayer is about. And this works like this actually happens. This latest hurricane that hit Louisiana has stirred up a lot of memories of Katrina. So there've been articles printed and things talking where people have been talking about the memories of Katrina. And I came across recently and one of the articles that came out during Katrina. And it was um, an article that was by a very vocal atheist 
who writes at the time was writing as a columnist for The Guardian in London. And he was observing what was taking place in the United States. And I want to read part of what, what, he, what he wrote. He, he said, It ought to be possible to live a Christian life without being a Christian. Um, he came to this conclusion after watching the Salvation Army lead, along with several other faith-based organizations, in the relief effort after Hurricane Katrina. He went on in this article that he wrote in The Guardian to say, Notable by their absence were teams from rationalist societies, free thinkers, clubs, and atheist associations, the sort of people who scoff at religion's intellectual absurdity. Um, he goes on, this is Roy Hattersley, he goes on to say, according, it's there's an unavoidable conclusion that Christians are the people most likely to take the risks and make the sacrifices involved in helping others. He also notes that this behavior goes beyond disaster relief, Civilized people do not believe that drug addiction and male prostitution offend against divine ordinances, but those who do are the men and women most willing to change the fetid bandages, replace the sodden sleeping bags, and probably most difficult of all, argue without a trace of impatience that the time has come for serious medical treatment. The only possible conclusion, he, said, he concludes, is that faith comes with a packet of moral imperatives. It's part of what it means to be a Christian that we engage in this. One of the pastors that I love, a guy that I worked with in London, the senior pastor at the church I was at, Sandy Miller, he said the test of spiritual maturity is the ability and willingness to serve God and others through good works. It's learning to love and serve the unlovely. It is valuing those whom the world has discarded. It's part of what it means. And I, I, it's one of these things where it's a call. And it's, and it's part of what should set us aside. It's what Jesus taught. It's where he takes us. But, that, but there's also so many things that we, like, not only does it give us a voice, but it benefits us in so many ways. There are loads of people who connect with God. That's how they connect. I've seen many people who've never got into the intellectual peace or whatever, but they start serving some way and they encounter Christ through service. And that's their door in. That's how they, they it all becomes alive as they see Christ. And I always think about how Mother... Um, Teresa used to say their work was impossible if they didn't see Christ in the face of these downtrodden folks that they were taking care of and loving at the end of their lives. Um, I read recently uh, an article that was from a Christian medical dental society where they were talking to a bunch of medical students and residents who'd gone on doing mission work. And this is what one of the medical students said. She said, I felt a very profound spiritual revival for the first time in a long time, I felt close to God and like he was pulling me toward him. God's work in me in Guatemala, this is where they were, has given me the insight and motivation that I need to truly commit myself to him and make God a top priority in my life. This idea that, that there was, there's a way that we connect, and we shouldn't be surprised by this because Jesus says as much in Scripture that when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And so as we get into the really hard part of service, at least when he goes into that place of the downtrodden and the marginalized and all that, we, we definitely encounter God in those places and we find our strength encouraged. And like so many things about faith, it builds up the community as people talk about this and share their stories and experiences. For many years, I used to go on mission trips where we would reflect at the end of the day. And one of the questions that would get asked is, where did you see Christ today? And it was always amazing to hear people say, the different places where they'd seen something of him during the day. 
that's part of what we get. There is a blessing that we receive as we give out and as we serve. And this is a call not to just some. There's some aspect of this, at least in supporting this as a church, that all of us are called to in living out our baptismal vows. But beyond that, there are actually those who have a gift in this department, a gift of service. And you'll see it if you go read the literature. You'll see sometimes people talk about it as being a gift of service. You'll see some people describe it as helps. That's the name they'll give it. They'll give to it, that it's helps. And you'll see it in a number of different places in the New Testament. I'm going to read just one of them. This is from Romans 12, where Paul is saying this, where he says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sound judgment, according to the measure of faith God has distributed to every person. For just as we have many parts in one body, and not all parts have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and all are parts of one another. We have diverse gifts according to the grace that is given to us. If prophecy, according to the proportion of faith. If service, in service. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with generosity, he who rules with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. There are all kinds of ways, there are places where we talk about this, but there are those who've been gifted with service and you do it by serving. And all of us are called to it, but some people particularly have a gift. And I think the way it shows up oftentimes, and when we get to the second phase of this um, series, we're going to talk a little bit more about how you explore what gifts you have. And I'm going to try to help you work through some stuff to help you identify what you have. But part of what it is, is always testing what you have. Trying out different things to see what resonates and what connects. And trying like different aspects of service and seeing what happens with this. But I think the people who ultimately have this gift are people who are particularly um, good at seeing the needs. And who are tireless in working to resolve those. And oftentimes this comes, I think, as a frustration. It's like I've had people, this has happened many times, where people are like, why isn't the church doing this? Look at these, look at this situation and whatever's going on. And they can see it and they, they get the demand for it. And it's like, I think your frustration is part of your call. Often you're the one seeing it. You're the one that's being bothered by it. It's oftentimes God is telling you that's where you need to go. And part of identifying that. And then a lot of times people will find they have just tireless energy to help with whatever's happening with this. Um, Dr. Charles Stanley writing about this, he says, those with the gift of service see and meet practical needs. If service is your gift, you are the first person in the group to notice the needs of others and to step forward to meet those needs. God gives a special sensitivity to these believers. And oftentimes they will think of another person and feel the desire to serve them in some way. And then of course I said energy. And there are all kinds of examples we might think about. If y'all been through this COVID thing long enough, um, at least the clergy have what the story I'm about to tell. This isn't a firsthand story. This is one I read recently. But there are many people who before COVID hit were in love and got engaged. They went and put down money to reserve a wedding for them. This happened to um, my niece. And then they're left in this like, what are we going to do kind of situation. And lots of them chose to do backyard weddings with just the closest of family. 
And there's this one uh, particular couple that did this, Emily Bug and Billy Lewis, and they did a backyard wedding, but they did something different than a lot of people are doing today. They'd already put down a bunch of money to hold a um, reception site. And they decided after doing the backyard wedding that they were not going to do a reception the following year, which is what a lot, a lot of people are doing now. If, if you've done this, I've been to some of these where we do the second wedding um, kind of a deal. They get a twofer. Um, but these, this couple decided not to do it, but they put down $5,000 and the reception forum had a no um, deposit return policy. And rather than fight it out legally and force majeure and all that kind of stuff, they decided they would do something with it. They had spotted a need. It, it appears that the um, homeless shelter that normally did all the Thanksgiving meals was not going to be able to do it last year. So they went to their reception site and said, we would like to ask if you would consider doing Thanksgiving box lunches. And they took the whole $5,000 deposit and convinced them. And that's where it went. They did it. And the, the CEO of the homeless shelter um, said this about it. He said, it really couldn't have come at a better time. It's an example of goodness begetting more goodness. In this time of despair and in this time of sadness and anxiety and frustration, we need more goodness. This is just one example of how we can take a really dark time and make it much brighter. But it's more than that. It's, I think these people had a gift of seeing the need, seeing the resources, and putting it together and tirelessly entering into that place. To me, that's part of the gift of service. And it blesses the community. Like all these gifts, we're going to talk about this in phase two, all the spiritual gifts build up the community and witness to our faith. That's the two things that they, they always do. And if you've ever watched this played out, I think it's just fantastic. I think there are many contexts I could give. Local, the service that gets done inside our walls also happens. I think about all the different worship things that happen behind the scenes. But they happen in lots of ways. For me, one of the dramatic experiences of it was in international missions. And um, the very first trip I ever did, um, there are just so many things that came out of it, but it had such a deep impact on me in seeing um, how it called people into service and the way God was present and the way it connected. And I don't have time to do my whole like testimony, but I almost lost faith in a third world country when I was an exchange student. And the first time I came back, I could see God everywhere kind of a thing, but there were just so many stories about it. I want to just tell like two parts of this. One was, I told this story before, but we, we were doing a medical clinic, a construction clinic, a dental clinic. Um, we were doing all these different aspects to it, which we learned, it was our first one. We were just learning as we, we were going along. But when we were done with the day, a bunch of us went walking up, up in this dirt poor, like I'm mean, talking, you can't imagine how poor this place was. The second poorest country in our hemisphere is Honduras. That's where we were. We went up on this hike and we got up to the top of this mountain and we went to visit this family that was, they were out front, you know, of course it's dirt floors and there's no electricity or any of that kind of stuff. And, um, when we came, there was this little girl who was about this tall and she was super shy and she's hiding behind her mom. And, um, we got closer. You could see part of the reason she was being shy is, um, we got the story a little bit later, but what had happened when she was a little bit younger is she had reached up onto the, um, wood powered stove that was outside and pulled down a pot of boiling grease onto her head. And she had one big scab on the top of her head. And one of the people walking with us was this woman priest named Nancy. And she had a big denim hat on and she just took it off immediately and just offered it to her. And this girl put it on and she started to cry with joy. Mother Nancy started to cry. 
everybody started to cry. It was just this God moment. It was just like, wow. And it was just, it was just like a tremendous thing. That was just one thing of encountering God through service. But, but what was amazing to me being on that first trip was then watch how things begin to flow from there. There was one couple there that was, again, had the ability to see the needs. They were the couple that could see how the women were downtrodden and were, um, didn't have any empowerment and took it upon themselves to pray and think through what can be done. And they ultimately started a sewing co-op where they taught the women how to sew. They brought in some artists from Dallas who learned to do the designs. They went down there with management consultants to teach them how to run a business and do the different pieces. And it's going on, it goes on to this day. And we know it here at this church because now it's based out of here, the Honduras Threads came out of that first trip where they saw that need. And then that activated other people. And then the, that whole mission kept going and then people grow and then you get all kinds of different ways that it blesses and encourages the whole community of faith. That is the gift of service. We're all called to it. There's amazing blessings in it, but some of you have a gift. And what a shame if we don't help you figure out how to open it. Because that gift will bless you and it'll bless the whole community and bless those who receive. So I want to ask as we end, if, I, if you might consider letting me pray about this gift. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you call us on a mission and a journey with you. And Lord, you, through your grace, have given many gifts to the church and to your people. And there are those in this room, there's some in this room who have the gift of service and know it. Bless them as they live that gift out. But there are some in this room who have that gift and don't know it. Pray, Lord, that each of us would be open to ask you, is this my gift? If I don't have this gift, how about giving me this gift? Help me use it for you, for your purposes, for your kingdom, and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.